0: welcome back to his pro Rata, where we normally take just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech business and politics but today we are doing a special three-part series of shorter episodes on the coronavirus pandemic, which is changing our politics, our economy, and our way of life. I'm Dan Permack, and this episode in particular is about what we can learn from other countries. As of Thursday morning, America had the most coronavirus cases in the world, with Johns Hopkins reporting at least 82,000 infections and over 1,000 deaths. That's more than China, Italy, or Spain, let alone countries that handled things much better, like South Korea and Singapore. So to dig into what we do next, we are joining joined by Axios healthcare editor, Sam Baker. And so Sam, let's start by looking at a couple of those countries like South Korea and Singapore. Everyone feels handled things well. From your perspective, is it too late to emulate them? Yeah, it is,
1: which is sort of the bummer. What they did was not necessarily all that groundbreaking. They just sort of followed the playbook of what you're supposed to do when a new infection reaches your shores. The U.S. didn't. But that playbook just relies so much on early action, getting things right at the beginning. That's why they have been able to see their number of new cases level off while ours continues to skyrocket.
0: There's been a lot of talk about the role of technology in this. We've seen it in Hong Kong, we certainly saw it in Singapore, things like kind of general uh, geo-tracking, putting apps on phones that therefore can kind of contact, trace people. That's not something I think that most Americans, at least from a civil liberties perspective, would do. So were some of the things that some of these countries did just never going to fly here, even if we had gotten our act together earlier?
1: Yes and no. I mean, Singapore was sort of an extreme example of using the government tracking the location of people's cell phones in order to know who they had come in contact with, which you're right. I think that would be a bridge too far in the US. But, you know, we do all already have these smartphones in our pockets and apps, the phone company, there's a lot of information being collected about where we are. So I've talked to some experts who say, you know, maybe not quite the individual level that Singapore did, but, you know, you can use that to say, for example, hey, people in this city are not staying home like we need them to. And to sort of do a localized, more population-based response that maybe is not quite as big an infringement, but still uses technology in a somewhat
0: similar way. In addition to that, if you look at the countries which handled it well, or even some of the countries that didn't handle it as well, but maybe we've seen the curve start to flatten a bit, or flatten a lot, like in China, what steps do you think right now, were you sitting in the White House or kind of, you know, king of the country? What would you be doing right now based on what has been done elsewhere?
1: I think what I would try to do is keep people to a large extent locked down, try to continue the aggressive social distancing that we're doing right now in the U.S. while we get more testing up and running. And hope that some of the patients who have it right now are
0: infecting fewer people talk about lockdowns one of the countries that did kind of the whether you want to call it harshest or, or most uh, wide-ranging lockdowns early was italy in some of its areas that happened before we started doing it does the data seem to show that it has been effective there
1: not precisely. i mean italy is not a success story italy is an example of a country that did it wrong and one thing that they did wrong specifically with their lockdown was didn't communicate about it very well. The messaging was sort of mixed from government officials. It kind of leaked out that this was going to happen. And that's you saw a lot of Italians say, oh, well, if I'm not going to be able to go out to eat for the next couple of weeks, I'm going to go out tonight. And people flooding into the streets, which is exactly what you didn't want to have happen. So then you just had a lot more sick people down. It's sort of the best thing that the U.S. can do right now, but it, no, it does not always work.
0: We spoke earlier today in one of these other episodes we put up today uh, with Allison Snyder, uh, actually a science editor, about the idea of a serological test which could help track who's been infected and recovered. Are there tools and tests in development now that you think could help us contain this virus sooner rather than later? And, and is that something we've seen other countries do at all? Yeah, I mean, that sort of gets to the heart of what's so frustrating about the U.S. response to all of this is none of it
1: requires really crazy innovative tools that we have to go make up for the first time. You know, it's not going to the moon. We need to do a lot of things that we know how to do. We need to use a lot of tools that are right in front of us. Serological tests are one, diagnostic tests are another. There was a diagnostic test for this thing really early. We just didn't make good use of it. So it's not that we need to reinvent the wheel, it's just we need to use the wheel.
0: Sam Baker, Axios Healthcare Editor, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And my producers, Tim Shovers and Naomi Shaven. Please be sure to check out the other two podcasts we posted today. Stay safe and keep your distance.